Right, there we go, Marina. I think that should help a little bit. Oh, hello, everyone. Well, you join us today in a backstreet... Uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where we are, actually. Marina and I have decided to do a bit of work on the randomizer, and we decided to find somewhere where there would be no distractions. No shrinking, no mad generals, no atomic explosions. Just peace and quiet to let us get on with giving the randomizer a routine checkup. Oh, Puss, will you stop getting in the way? Anyway, we've been... Marina, can you hear something? Sounds like footsteps. Yes, coming this way, aren't they? What the? Marina, get down! No, no, stay down! Are you all right? Uh, I don't know. Are we? Good. Yes, yes, we're both... Uh... Captain Scarlet, what a pleasant surprise. Uh, were you standing there the whole time? Yes. Okay, not going to press you on that. Still, while you're here, how about hitting the big red button on the randomizer for us? I'm the obvious choice. Well, yes, you are the obvious choice. I mean, short of asking the cat. There's no time to lose. Excellent, thank you. I just hope there's a chance of us landing something that's a bit different to the usual fare. Well, a lot of strange things have been happening recently. There may well be. Well, let's see. Oh, that is a good choice. Well done, Captain. Yeah, what do you think? I'm afraid the whole episode is a complete blank. Of course it is, because it's not an episode from a show you worked on. We're back with Space Precinct, and appropriately enough, we're taking a walk down Hate Street. Well, last week we had a really terrible episode from a show that is generally considered one of the, the classic Anderson series. This week we have one of the more underrated Jerry Anderson series, and I use that description diplomatically because I know there are a lot of people out there who don't have much time for Space Precinct. But I've always, I've always loved the show, and I've always felt that this may well be the best episode. It may not be the most entertaining, but it's an episode that actually has something to say. Uh, it also is a lot more grown up than than Space Precinct usually was. Um, in such a way that is demonstrated quite graphically in this opening scene, I think. But instantly, this episode scores points just for that lovely shot of Demeter City covered in snow. And the snow is a sort of uh, kind of neon greeny blue colour. It's really nice. It, uh, it works really well. Now this episode uh, features the return of the Zyronites, who uh, had first appeared in the show in uh, Protect and Survive. We never knew that much about them, other than that they were, the ones we saw in that episode were uh, illegal immigrants, were refugees. And this episode kind of returns to that being a, a fundamental part of of their race. We don't know what happened to make them sort of galactic refugees. But it's nice that the show remembered they existed and picked that that notion up for, for story material. What I think about sea rights trying to infect the whole of Alcor by peddling rotten fruit. There. I just saved a dozen lives. And I just saved some more. This opening uh, goes very dark very quickly. Um, 
this may well be ultimately one of the darkest scenes in the show. And it's rare that the series... Destroy it! Tear it apart! You, you know that this the show was aiming for for an adult audience and a kid audience, but every so often you got the hint that it really wanted to be a lot more grown up than than its own nature was allowing it to be. And here we have the the embodiment of that, I think, with Flack throwing the grenade into uh, Tropek's shop while his two children are still in there, while he's having the snot beaten out of him, um, and he knows what's going to happen. He has to save the children. But there was only 10 seconds, and those 10 seconds are up. Tropek is dead. Both of his children are dead. His wife is severely injured and deeply traumatized. And I've, I kind of find this, this opening to be like... Almost the show rejecting its child audience in a sense. Like we see these two Zaranite children playing in the snow and they're happy and everything's lovely. And then they're blown to bits. No, people are good. They do Leaving their mother severely traumatized. No, it's gone. It's it's a very very bleak opening. Um, for a series that otherwise tended to be. Can you give us a description of any of the? Not family friendly as such, but family oriented. Obviously, we have Brogan with his family is a major focus on the show. One drink won't hurt, will it? So it's amazing that the show... Doesn't your husband ever get home late? The show dared to actually kill off child characters. My children... Certainly a very powerful opening. Sets up the story extremely well. You're a worm. What are you doing, Erica? Why, Patrick Rogan! Francis Barber as uh, bounty hunter Erica Brandt, former flame of, uh, of Lieutenant Brogan's. Uh, now. Locked faces with him. I mean, we gotta catch up on the last twenty years. Hey, she's one of my favorite characters and uh, one of my favorite guest characters in this show. And I realize that she probably irritates a few people. Two aspirin and hand on heaven. You know, I'm as good as new. Do I look? Because she is just cheering the scenery everywhere she looks. They brought in with Mrs. But it's a really interesting character because obviously she's a bounty hunter she's probably done some questionable things to earn a living but we saw her at the race riot at the start of the episode try to intervene to save the children unfortunately too late to do anything so it, it, it she has a really strong introduction in that sense because she's obviously her heart is in the right place she just goes about her business in a fairly questionable way whatever it takes and I would have loved for the if the show had gone on to a second season, as I think it should have done. Erica Brandt coming back would be the first thing on my list of priorities. Dr. Jack, name's Burflack. He's wanted on Planet Danai for a series of hate crimes, including. <laughs> He's wanted on Planet Danai in the Terrorhawk so district, no less. I love it when this show uh, would sneak in little uh, references to other shows. Hey in on-screen graphics. Uh, there is a police officer. Somewhere in Precinct 88, there is a, a woman named Tracy Virgil. Now listen, Brogan. The last thing we need in Demeter City right now is a racist like Flack. If he's on the planet, I want him. Just you make sure you get to him before she does, huh? So that's a 
a nice driving force for, for this story. Not only we have to nail this racist, but we also have to stop this woman from getting to him first, even though this woman is not, uh, as we said, not a bad person by any means. I believe on your scale, she would rate at least a nine off as a Haldane. Wrong, slow-mo. It's an 11. That's something else that I like in this show, which was only occasionally hinted at, was this odd uh, relationship slash friendship between Haldane and Slow-Mo, is that Slow-Mo was sort of slowly being corrupted by Haldane's uh, womanizing nature, uh, and he would occasionally bring him in for crazy schemes or for favors and such. That's something nice. I, I, I loved Slow-Mo as a kid. I don't generally like him that much now. But I do like some of his relationships with other characters. Lust after that honey, I went out with her a few times. It's an ancient history, cat. honey. I hardly knew you. Why then. should I care? I don't care. Then why did you bring it up? Good. See, Sally Brogan is supposed to be a loving, supportive wife. She just seems Dr. to be there to, to nag, always nag. And it's always done in such a way to make Brogan the villain, which uh, he really doesn't need, because he's got enough villains to deal with. I think the crowning moment of uh, Sally Brogan awfulness is in Time to Kill, where the cyborg has murdered literally all of Brogan's friends and colleagues, so he has to send his family away. And before he sends his family away, Sally tells him, You've crossed the line. It's like, bitch, he had all his friends murdered by somebody else. How is this his fault? She was just there so often to, to complain, to nag, and ultimately in this episode to be fairly disgusting in her behavior. Like I said, I don't blame Nancy Paul. I, I, I blame the character as written. Very rarely did she seem like the supportive wife that a man like this really needed. Occasionally I uh, lose my bearings. She has seen fit to uh, furnish me with uh, a locator. I'm uh, embarrassed to admit it has uh, proven my saviour on uh, several occasions. Yeah, that's... Uh... A bit of a, what was it called? Chekhov's gun. Um, we've established that this locator is a thing. Solely for the fact that we need it later on. It in no way would have been necessary otherwise. The, the voice of this this actor playing the, uh, the chap that uh, Erica Brand is buying her cryo gun from. First you stun your target. He sounds like a lot of the... Uh, Sorry, Coney. The other characters on the show, um, a lot of the guest characters. Who's the Tarn in Enforcer? You freeze it. Um, I can't remember his name, but he's one example of. I think this actor provided a lot of guest voices for dubbed a lot of uh, other characters in this show. But this may be his only on-camera appearance as himself. This doesn't sound like it's dubbed. He stopped talking now, so I've, I've waffled all over it. But uh... the whole damn city is ready to explode. I won't stand for it, Captain. We know that Flack was involved with the killing. Yeah, if the city's going to explode, we're the ones who are going to cause it. Blow up a dirigible or something. Where is everybody? They'll be here, Flack. Who's she? No idea. 
but if she knows the location, she must be all right. I'm a cartoon hippopotamus. I love that voice. It doesn't fit the... Well, I suppose it does fit the character of being a big, dumb, stupid racist. It, uh, it's just odd to hear such a dopey voice in this show. Veronica Wilson. Veronica. You're interested in our call. Although, speaking of uh, voices, it is such a relief to have both Christopher Fairbank and Francis Barber not being dubbed. Because the dubbing in some of the early episodes really killed certain performances, certain scenes. By this time, they'd really eased up on, on dubbing... Uh, Excuse me. Dubbing human characters, which was a very good idea. More depth. Looks pretty real out here. They got a lookout. What's the plan? I'm talking about him uh, quite loudly, only yeah, a few feet away from him. Before. He's obviously deaf. I don't think he heard me. Over. Excuse me, buddy. Could you spare a couple? This is quite a, a fun way of uh, of getting into Flax Rally rather than just storming in there, guns drawn. Um, Haldane is able to overcome the. Uh, the doorman by pretending to be a drunk and then decking him in the face. Siren fever under control. But the new quarantine screening process has eliminated the danger. Oh, okay, so it was siren fever that's caused the, uh, this, uh, this racist thing. That makes sense. To force this low-paid sub-matter subspecies into the workforce to drive down honest wages. Yeah. Just like it was on Planet Danai. Now, uh, I think one of the reasons I, I have a lot of time for this episode is I really respect it, exploring the racism issue in, as we said earlier, a show that kind of wasn't sure whether it was a family show or an adult show or whatever. And ultimately, although it doesn't really say much beyond racism is bad, um... Unfortunately, we do live in a world where that needs to be said. Um, and sci-fi shows are a, a really good way to explore themes like that without being quite so on the nose. And while this is very overt in terms of its subject matter, it will it's probably the only episode of the show that will always remain relevant because we will always have idiots like Burl Flack and idiots who will listen to what he has to say and uh, and follow him. And unfortunately, those idiots can sometimes uh, end up in positions of power. Do it! Because our world is often stupider than anything this show could ever come up with. Flag, here, come on! I got a car. I think I know how to make it work. Let's see if I got it. Yeah, one of Flat's baddies, uh, henchmen, has just been killed. I think they killed the more credible of the two because the guy with the voice of the cartoon hippo is still alive. Can't you go any faster? I'm trying. I'm trying. Take it. Don't rush me. I can't think and drive. This snow uh, really adds to the model uh, effect shots as well. This is a really nice chase sequence here. I told you we should have left your mother's earlier, George. Now here we have uh, two... So Brogan and Haldane are on the trail of uh, a flak. They're chasing across Demeter City after him. And unfortunately, this elderly Tarn couple 
get caught in the uh, in the chase. And I think um, you should be right on it. The the wife is played by the same Tarn head as previously appeared in this episode as Mrs. Chan. Uh, I could be wrong, but the faces look very similar. Come on. What? Damn snow blades don't work. Should have installed blowers years ago. Oh, and the elderly couple has just been hit. I suppose it's kind of their own fault for flying without uh, without the windscreen wipers. But unfortunately, it's getting away. Now forget it. We got another problem over here. Causes them to to have a crash landing, and uh, it's left unclear as to whether or not they actually survive. Well, the wife survives, but then we get this shot. George? George, are you alright? George is, is not responding. Oh, that is a beautiful shot. That is a beautiful shot of the, the wrecked hopper covered in snow and the cruiser hanging above it with its searchlights going and the snow everywhere and... Oh... This is a really pretty episode. I'm sorry that Flack got away last night. I really like oh, the chemistry between uh, Ted Shackelford and, and Francis Barber in this episode. Um, and it right must now. be difficult for two actors who've never met each other before to act as if they have this long history between each other. And I know that's part of their job, but there's a difference between just saying the words and making it seem real. And these two really do make it seem real. And it what what makes it even even sweeter is that this is the absolute last woman you would expect such a straight decent man as as Patrick Brogan to have hung out with. Now let me ask you a question. Flack's bail forfeits in eleven days. But then you do have this. Um, as we've said, she more or less has a heart of gold despite everything she does. You can see why he might fall for her or even love her and also at the same time why the relationship would never work I'm listening the reason we broke up is because I knew I could never make a life with somebody whose value system was as screwed up as yours goodbye oh, I love it when Ted Shackelford gets angry in this show he looks really cross um, and not just cross in a sort of Martin Lando I'm stuck with a really bad script kind of way but it seems to really come from the heart What's he doing here? I told you, my arm's fine. It is not fine. Take a look, Doc. The arm juice keeps coming out of the arm. It's not fine. Someone's been yapping to the cops. I told them nothing, sir. Whatever you say. Do your stuff. This is uh, another interesting character in Dr. Chen, who uh, I, I waffled over his first scene earlier. But um, this is a man whose like children were killed by Zyron fever, so he is now very anti-Zyronite. Um, and it's it's nice that they included that, that he's not just... Damn, Chan. Your hand's shaking like a frightened sea right. <sighs> I love this guy. <laughs> um, that he's not just racist because he's stupid. He's racist because he actually has, at least what he feels, is a legitimate reason to be angry towards these people, which a lot of... People would probably be able to sympathise with, as much as I said, you know, 
races are stupid, which I... Yeah, obviously. Um, but there are some people who have these views not because of that, but because they have been blinded by, by circumstances and things that have happened to them. He's also a really nice-looking character as well, and I love him uh, swiping from the vending machine here. Oh, Dad, you should have seen it. This guy's head comes right off. It was awesome. Oh, I saw that this morning. Matt, isn't it time for Cyber Cowboys? It is. What are we waiting for? <laughs> you kids really will watch any old rubbish, won't you? Although I suppose I shouldn't judge. I mean, for starters, what they're watching is the space police pilot, at least a section of that. I smell perfume. Gardenias. Another woman exists. I am suddenly furious. She was here in my house. Since there was nothing to tell you, as soon as the kids were in bed, I would have gotten around to telling you that there was nothing. This is stupid. I don't even know what we're arguing about. No, I don't either. Uh, oh, Sally is once again... Way, some doctor named Eastman called you while you were gone. Oh, yeah. Being very hypocritical. Oh. Um, yeah. oh. Having a go at Brogan so for... He? Said he'd heard all about me. For, for being essentially stalked by an old flame. He, he hasn't you know, actively sought her out. Um, and she's furious about that, but she's agreed to go out with this uh, Dr. Eastman chap. Not because she especially wants to, but because she wants to score a point over him, which I can kind of understand, except for the fact that uh, she's a gorgeous woman. She's she's doing it in front of the kids. Not not good parenting. You got a question? Let's hear. Okay. Why? Why Sally over Eric? Because you don't marry the person you want to live with. You marry the person you can't live without. Okay, I refer you to my previous question. Why Sally? I get that that, that is a nice sort of heartfelt... Uh, uh, heartfelt uh, moment there, especially when uh, Jane walks past Jack and you, you know... With he, or without, you gotta decide. Yeah, that hammers it home. He, he would want to, to be with Castle. Um, this is Chan. But yeah, it doesn't back up. The, the, the evidence that we see just in this episode alone doesn't back up why Brogan would, uh, would have married Sally. Police! Freeze! So Brogan and Haldane have, uh, have tracked down... He's stunned. Oh, good. Mr. Doofy Voice is still alive. Um, they've somehow managed to track down the hotel room where Flack was staying because they found the body... Uh, they found a bottle on the body of Dr. Chen, which he stole from the vending machine. I don't quite know how they worked out what room at the hotel he was staying at. But anyway, we're off to uh, to what Brogan calls the cargo bay, which seems to be like a, a, a space station spaceport, which... Uh, how do you find a needle in a haystack? In the Making of Space Precinct documentary, they, they go into the the composition of this scene. It's quite interesting if you haven't seen it. I told you. It's on the Jerry Anderson YouTube channel if you'd like to take a look. Yeah, well, I don't care. She's here. I know she is. Why don't you try down there? And it's rare that the show kind of hinted that there was any... any life beyond Altor and, and Demeter City. Obviously, the Tarns have their own homeworld, the Creons have their own homeworld, obviously the humans have their own homeworld. But in terms of any anything beyond this system, there really didn't seem to be much going on. So it's nice that we get this uh, 
this setting. Where's Flack? This is a rather um, prolonged sequence of Haldane pretending to team up with Erica. Um, before Brogan finds us. You can sort of believe it in Rob Youngblood's performance that uh, that he might be tempted to do so. We saw him watching her when she was in Podley's office earlier. Um, but again, it's kind of obvious that he's not really going to go off with her, and that this is just part of part of their plan. The uh, shot of the frozen flak is kind of. Uh, I, I don't know if it's, it's if it's a bad effect, but it's something about it does not look very much like uh, Christopher Fairbank. Hi, you must be Pat's wife. I'm Erica Brand. Yeah, this scene is kind of. Never thought you'd go for the high strung type, bro. A really good example of. No, really, really, I'd love to stay. Of why Sally just doesn't work as a as a character. You can see what Brogan would would have seen in, in Erica. She's a really nice, fun, sparky character, and Sally is just a walking misery bag. You got a hot one here, lady. And obviously part of it is because um Sally. Because she's you know, wasn't my fault. snogging Brogan and all that. But then she does this. She's gone forever. You never have to see her or hear about her again. Do you remember that Dr. Eastman I told you about? Well, I just called him and I agreed to meet him for that drink. I mean, it's long past due. May as well get the darn thing over with. So, maybe late. Don't wait up. Sally. Yeah, don't she's do trying this. to score points over him. Dad! But she's doing it in front of the kids who have done nothing wrong. Not that Brogan's done anything wrong, but she's... Gotcha, didn't I? You no, know, you were just kind of a bitch. Why Why put your kids through the the trauma of seeing their parents argue about nothing. Anyway, that was Hate Street. Um, and yes, still holds up. Um, one of my favourite episodes of Space Precinct, I think. Not the most exciting, not the most action-packed, but definitely the one that's the most relevant still today. As I said before, if there had been a second season of this show, I really would have loved to have seen Erica Brandt return. However, that was not to be. What we got with this one episode was a very memorable character and a very memorable, very, very memorable story. One of the best, definitely underrated. Go check it out if you haven't seen it already. The music cut out, but I'm still talking. Goodbye.